The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Proudly made in the USA, customizable SeaDeck no-skid traction is non-absorbent, closed-cell EVA specifically formulated for the marine industry. For a free sample and more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Golden Mike Podcast, everybody. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Mano. not coming at you from Orlando, Florida this time. I'm recording this portion of the podcast from Burbank, California on the West Coast, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Ronix Wakeboards. That's right. Big shout out to Ronix. Guys, make sure you get online, check out ronixwake.com for a look at the entire line of products, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or a pro, Ronix has you covered. If you guys are looking to compete or if you're looking to just have some fun on the water, they've got the whole entire spectrum covered from wake skates, wakeboards, and wake surfers, and they've got one of the deepest teams in the industry. Big thank you to Ronix for their support, and once again, check them out at ronixwake.com. Dot com. Guys, i got a super-duper special guest on the show. He's pretty much, well, he is the brand manager for Radar Water Skis. His name is Eddie Roberts. And more importantly than being the brand manager, I believe, well, he's a legend in the sport, a pioneer in the sport. The guy's been around for such a long time. He was basically the right-hand man to Herb O'Brien, and he was a part of so many projects and around for so many projects and so much history. I thought it would be fitting to have him here on the podcast. Okay, guys, so I mentioned a moment ago that I am in Burbank, California. I just arrived here. I'm here recording from my brother's house. I just got here, drove in from Las Vegas. My bro and his wife are having a baby this week, so that's very exciting stuff. I'm holding down the fort for them, but I've just come from the first stop of the Malibu Boats Rider Experience, along with our friends over there at Boulder Boats and Rockstar Energy. We had an awesome weekend. It was the Central WWA Wakeboard Regionals. We had all the junior pro riders representing from around the world. Big shout out to Tyler Hyam for taking a big W in the event, his first junior pro victory ever. So we were super duper stoked about that. Plus, while I was out there in Las Vegas with Boulder Boats, we did a live episode of the Golden Mike podcast from Boulder Boats. I interviewed five or six of the guys and gals from Team Malibu. Keep your ears open. That's going to be like a really, really fun, fun episode. All right, all right. So we've got a great episode. You guys already know Eddie Roberts coming up here in just a few moments. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that the Golden Mike podcast is brought to you for free twice monthly on the first and third Wednesday of every month. You can find us online at noiseofthenorth.com. We're also now available on SoundCloud. Just search the Golden Mike podcast as well as on iTunes. Each and every episode is there, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Or if you have an Android device, just look up any podcast app, then search for the Golden Mike podcast. You guys want to help support? Here's a few different ways you can do so. Once you subscribe to the podcast, go back, rate, and review the show. Always love to get those five stars and love to see what the fans and the listeners have to say. Also, I've got Golden Mike Podcast hats. I've got three different styles. You guys can go onto my Instagram account at DanoTMano. Email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or through the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. Those are great ways to reach me. I always just appreciate the support, my friends. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. SeaDeck, Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, 
Malibu Boats, Rockstar Energy, C4 Belts, CWB Board Company, Leadwake, Ronix, and our newest sponsor, Slingshot Wakeboards. Be sure that you guys are following me on social media, on Twitter at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. And be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. You guys can also always reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Okay, so we do have an audio montage coming up, and it is from the Nautique Wake Open, which happened just a few weeks back in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Have a listen, and then I'll be right back with my guest, the one and only Eddie Roberts, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Chummer here just at the Nautique Wake Open. It's 2017. The riding level is more insane than ever, even though we had some crazy conditions. These guys, they had a little strategy out there, made some adjustments. They crushed it. Hi, I'm Allison Lavrak from Wake Forest, North Carolina. I'm nine years old, and I just won the junior girls division at the Nautique Wake Open. I had so much fun, and I loved riding behind the G20 thing. My favorite trick is the fashion air. Hi, my name is Noah Fedorovich. I'm from Claremont. I'm 12 years old and I'm so happy to take the win in the boys' beginner division. Hi, my name's Enzo Kooligan. I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I just won the junior beginner boys' division. I am so happy I won first place. Uh, Thank you for having me here. Hey, it's Ellie Christensen. I'm from St. George, Utah. I'm 13. I won the girls' 10 to 13 division. It was super fun to ride with all the new girls, and I'm super stoked to land two of my four inverts. I'm really looking forward to the next WWA event. My name is Thomas Herman. I'm 14 years old from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Stoked to take the win in the boys' division. The level of riding is insane out here. Hey, what's up? My name is Joey Gallagher. I'm 16 years old from Deerfield Beach, Florida. I'm pumped to take the win in the junior men division at WWA Wake Open. I was pumped to stick my seven at the end of my run, and thanks to everyone who put on the event. Hi, I'm Sigi from Germany, and I'm 11-time German champion, and I'm very proud I take the win in the women's division. Hi, I'm Michele Corsarita. Uh, I come from Naples, Italy. Uh, I'm so happy for this event. Uh, the first place in the Master Med Division. I'm so happy. Hi, I'm Heidi Vercesi. I'm from Italy and I won the Women's Wake Skate Division. Hey, it's Shannon Fahimbas from Lake Pickett, Florida. I'm 16 years old and I won the Junior Women's Division today at the WWA Nautique Wake Series, and I'm so excited. What's up, guys? Jeff McKee here, Nautique team athlete. Stoked to get the pleasure to drive this beautiful G23 out here this weekend. Custom bright red interior, the thing was popping. The wake was juiced, had front row seats for some of the best riding in the game. Radway to kick off the season. This is Dale Cartwright from Revolution in Florida, 44 years old. Super excited to defend my Nautique Wake Open title. Thank you very much. Yo, this is Phil Kirk, uh, Twisted Mountain. They also they call me from Sterling, Ontario, Canada. I'm 29 years old and I'm riding the Adapt Division. I'm stoked to take the first place win at the Nautique Wake Open up against the two Australians that came out and they did an awesome job. I didn't know if I was taking it or not. Just stoked to have the other adapter riders out there with us. The winner of the pro women's division taking her first major pro win here in the U.S. Italy's Georgia Gregorio. Georgia, how does it feel to take the win here at the Wake Open? Uh, I still can't believe it. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be here in America competing and looking forward for the next stop of the, of the World Series. The Wake was huge and it was so much fun with everybody. Rusty Malinowski here. There's a group of guys out there right now that are doing insane stuff and it's going to be hard for sure. So there's a big hill to climb and I hope to at least be back for a little bit. What's going on guys? Gunther Oka here. We just wrapped up the 2017 Nautique Wake Open presented by WWA and Rockstar. Super stoked to take the win here today uh, amongst the heavy heat with all the boys in the junior pro ranks. This put me into the lead for the overall series and uh, it's definitely not going to be an easy one to keep up for the season, but I'm going to give it my best shot and see how it goes. I'm James Balzer. I just took the win here at the Nautique Wake Open here in Orlando. Pro Wake Skate Division. It was a stacked division. We had a lot of guys ripping. I was able to make it happen. Super pumped to just kind of play the win, you know. We got a wake skate a little different on these kind of conditions and uh, made it happen, so stoked to take the win. From the Nautique brand, I've got Sean Perry. Sean, what did you think of this weekend's event? Today was awesome. This weekend was awesome, Dano. Wake Open is always such a fun event, having the amateurs and the pro riders here in Orlando, Florida, right in our backyard for Nautique. 
So great event, great weekend overall, man. Yo, it's Brad Smiley here, just wrapping up at the Nautique Wake Open for the weekend. I've been on the mic with Dana the Mano for the last couple of days. It's been an absolute pleasure. So stoked to be back here. And as I've been saying all weekend, it just feels right. Lead Wake is a company with a mission to help get you that perfect wake this year. Lead Wake ballast bags are designed with wake surfers and wakeboarders in mind and are made perfectly to be placed and stacked in tight spaces. Lead Wake bags were designed to be shifted around in your boat by you easily and will help crisp up any wake in a matter of seconds. Multiple weights are available in all orders inside the US to get free shipping. Go to leadwake.com for more info that's L-E-A-D-W-A-K-E dot com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. You've been apart for a long time and uh, industry-wise and you've worked with some of some of the biggest names in the sport and uh, wakeboarding wise I mean you were right there for for the first compression board right I was I was fortunate enough to be working with Herb O'Brien and and uh, a lot of good people uh, Eric Perez was one of them and and Mike Murphy and a bunch of those guys but uh, yeah I've been very fortunate to work with uh, wakeboarders right from the start what like what exactly is your title here well, I make up a different one just about every time someone asks me, but uh, water ski product manager. You mentioned Herb just a second ago. So, like, when did yeah. you get involved with Herb? Well, working for Herb in 1981 when he started HO Skis. And, uh, like, what did you do back then? I built boots all day long. Really? I think it was called the Boote at first, or just a Herb's idea that he came up with, and um, with the hardware coming in from the side. A completely different concept from what anybody else was doing, and that was pretty much what he sold us uh, his company on, right to begin with. And that boot lasted for a that boot lasted for a Absolutely, long time. Absolutely, yeah, you bet. Yeah, HO is still making them. But you are a skier, and you've been skiing for a long time. Like, when did you start water skiing? Uh, Nineteen fifty-four. What kind of boats were you guys skiing behind back then? Well, I learned behind an old um, outboard with a forty-horse Merc on it. And the reason I wanted to learn is because my dad said I could drive the boat all by myself if I would get up on a combo pair of skis. And just like that, right? Just like that. So I got up my second try, and as soon as I was done, I said, give me that boat. He said I could drive it. <laughs> like, before we started talking on, on the mic, um, you were saying that you've known Herb since, like, the 50s. Yeah, 1958. And how did you guys meet? Well, um, the neighbors that we had that next to living next to us out in Burien... They're the people that we learned how to ski with. And for a couple of years, we skied with them. It was Tilly and Dean Sprinkle. Then they moved out to Lake Sammamish, two houses down from the O'Brien family. And they were telling us about this kid named Herbie that was this great, awesome skier. You got to see this kid ski. And so we came out to their house one day and we're hanging out on the beach. And here comes Herb skiing by behind a big old inboard. Uh, with two handles and pulling them up over his head, splitting them apart and skiing really well. He was probably six foot tall and 120 pounds, but the guy could ski. Was Herb already designing his own skis when you'd first met him? He was working on skis. He wasn't building skis yet, but he had he had uh, modified several skis. In fact, he was on a Wally Burr that day, and that's the same kind of ski that I had. And when we walked down the beach and met him, he got to, we got to looking at uh, his ski and went, wow, what'd you do here? And he showed us and he had put bevels on it because skis back at that time did not have bevels. They were just flat bottom, uh, right angled <laughs> bevels. And, and so I, we saw what he had done. And so shortly after that, my dad did the same thing to my ski and it helped. It was a lot better. Herb was always ahead of his time, uh, it seemed like, as far as designing product. Uh, I mean, could you see that all the way back in those days? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, his ski was his ski was cut down. It, it, it was cut down. It was narrower in the back than it was when it was brand new. And, um, you know, and he had done that work on the bevels. And every time I saw him after that, he has done something different to his ski. 
Was there a lot of modifying to equipment going on back in those days? No, very little, very little. What were you doing before you got into the uh, water sports industry? Well, directly right before what I was doing was working down at the docks as a longshoreman. So you were always putting yourself around water? Yes, and sometimes falling into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where I grew up, we were always told it's cold and rainy here in Seattle, but um, how did you, how was the weather like? How do you perceive the weather as being up here? I perceive it as being awesome. I mean, we always had at least a six-month uh, skiing uh, season, and sometimes even longer. My first ski ride on my brand-new Wally Burr ski was on Christmas Day, 1955, I believe, and um, there was ice and snow on the dock, and, uh, and we didn't have wetsuits yet, so I was in a sweatshirt and a life belt, and I made my second ever step start off of a dock because Not I didn't want to get in the water. Talking about like product design with skis, how did you get into that? Well, my dad and I messed around with skis. You know, once we saw what Herb was doing, uh, and then shortly after that, I broke the fin off of my ski, which was a great big fin. It was huge, and it went all the way to the back of the ski. And uh, uh, we, we figured out right off the bat, they don't work very well without a fin on them. So my dad made one out of uh, stainless steel at Boeing. It's called Government Work. And uh, we put that on the ski. It was a completely different shape. And it was way further forward. And uh, uh, we immediately figured out it was a lot better skiing uh, uh, performance with that fin on than it was the original fin. So that's one of the couple of the first couple of things we ever noticed. Did you find yourself tuning skis, tweaking skis a lot in your younger days? Not quite yet. Probably not until I got into my 20s where I really started tweaking them around. Now... Herb started so many of these brands. Were you involved in all of these brands as well? Mostly just the, the uh, O'Briens. One, once he started making um, fiberglass skis, and, and he, would give me, he would give me a stack of skis sometimes, and he would tell me, hey, just go file on them, do anything you want. And so we would ruin skis right and left. Sure. And sometimes we made them better, and sometimes we made them worse. What was Herb the, the guy like? Well, Herb was the single most generous person I've ever met. He was very generous with his uh, product, with his time, even with his money sometimes. And uh, he was really passionate. You hear that a lot. But Herb was really passionate about making uh, water skiing more fun for more people and, and making the skis better all the time. He never quit learning. What was it like for you, like, getting to be a part of uh, like learning and seeing all of these, these innovations like before anybody else. Well, it was really exciting. I mean, I was uh, so happy to be working in the water ski industry. It was way worse pay than what I was making before that, but it was a heck of a lot more fun. And, um, you know, he was uh, always looking for something. And he uh, put a lot of stock in the people that he was around and the people that he had known through water skiing because he had been uh, competing way longer than I had. I don't think I started competing until about 1971. I think it was 1971 when I started skiing. And he kind of goaded me into it. My dad was already competing, and, uh, and Herb had been for quite a while. And he was one of the best skiers around. I think he, in, in boys... When he was in boys, he was state champ a couple of times. Anything like, especially back in the early days that he came out with that just in your mind, you were, you saw it before it came out and you're like, wow, this is going to certainly change the world of water skiing. Well, well, probably, you know, the, the, the one thing that uh, was uh, pr pretty groundbreaking, I would have to say would be the, uh, the boot design that he came out with, because it definitely had more support than the traditional uh, horseshoe bindings because it had it touched your foot all the way around your foot whereas a horseshoe binding pretty much just pushes down on the top of your foot and, and herb's design was lasted like a shoe so it was built more like a shoe so it had support from the sides of your foot all the way around it that was pretty innovative and at one point um we had a ski that was really squirrely that when we first came out with the the turbo in about the second year of uh, HO, I think it was 1982, and um, he said, well, maybe it's because the fin is too deep. So uh, we made, uh, under his tutelage, made a, 
an adjustable fin, basically, two pieces of extruded angle aluminum. And, uh, and so what we were able to do was make the fin shallower and deeper. And uh, we noticed it really changed the way the ski skied. The ski stayed squirrely, and we were able to fix it because of something else. It was just too darn thick. And once we made the ski thicker, um, we, we kind of gave up on the, uh, the, uh, the adjustable fin, we, although we did it again a few years, a few years later. And now today, people are still yes uh-huh. running basically the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the, mm-hmm. the technology has... It's come a long ways, but it's been around for a while also. Sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like every time that Herb was attached to a brand, that that always seemed to be the brand that everybody else was chasing. Was that kind of a theme of things? Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. You could say that. But then again, uh, you know, he had... Uh, Several people working for him back at the time in the O'Brien days, uh, Denny Kidder being one, who went on to start uh, Western Wood Skis, then Kidder Skis, then KD Skis, and now D3 Skis. And then he also had a gentleman named Roger Teeter uh, that would uh, build skis for him. He actually built some of the first... Um, the first fiberglass skis. Her would make the core and would take it over next door to... Um, Roger Teeter, who had an outfit called Composite Structures, and he would glass it up for Herb. Uh, of course, this Roger Teeter, uh, shortly after that, came out with his own brand called EP Skis. Herb was, was a part of so many of these brands. And, it, and it's crazy because you say like Denny Kidder, another guy who's, you know, started so many brands. How come, why? Like, why don't, why did, why wouldn't Denny Kidder just stay with Kidder? Why didn't Herb just keep O'Brien, you know, uh, or H.O.? There's a couple of reasons why he didn't keep O'Brien and then uh, H.O. also. Um, you know, I don't know that they're for the listeners that you've got right now, and I'm not sure I have the entire story, but some of it's a bit sorted. He made some business mistakes, you know, and he, he acknowledged those and, and it did better afterwards, you know. So he learned from some of those mistakes for sure. And obviously, you know, until... You know, the day that he, you know, that he left us, he continued to just innovate. Absolutely. We were working on a, on a recreational ski. And the, the day that he died, uh, we were still working on a recreational ski that uh, he was pretty excited about. That one of our dealers told him that we really needed to have. So he was in, uh, really enjoying designing that. Would you say that Herb was the most influential guy in the industry of all time? Oh, absolutely. Or? Absolutely. Uh-huh. What did it mean to you to be able to work with him for so long? Well, it was a joy. It was, it was awesome. I mean, it was like, kind of like a dream come through, true. When he asked me to call me up and asked me to come to work for him, I just about shit. I, Are you serious? You want me to come to work for you? I'll do that. I said, what am I going to do? He says, well, come on here and talk to me and um, we'll figure something out. And uh, I said, well, how long are you going to be there? And he said, about f- probably only about 45 minutes, but you could come and see me tomorrow. I was there in 35 minutes. <laughs> was, it, was it your knowledge of the sport or your passion of the sport that, that got you the job, you think? I would, think? I would say just because of the fact that I had a passion for the sport. I loved to ski, and he was fine with me skiing. One time when uh, uh, I had made 40 bindings, I had put 40 bindings together, which is not easy, and a couple of friends of mine wanted to uh, go skiing. So I said, hey, Herb, you mind if I go skiing? And he says, uh, no, you haven't built enough bindings yet. And I said, well, what are those 40 bindings doing in the bin over there then right now? And he looked at me and says, they're waiting for you to put another 40 on top of them. <laughs> and then he says, no, I'm only kidding. Go ahead and go skiing. It's a beautiful thing, man, because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's truly what the dream is, you bet. is all you about. Bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. L- loving what you do and, I guess, living living it as well you know absolutely yes mm-hmm. another another um you know thing that uh that he left behind was radar lake and that's where we're at right here radar is probably the place that any toad water sports athlete water skier wakeboarder would love to uh at least have the opportunity to look at uh, yet alone ride on and conditions what do you would you say here 99 percent of the time are perfect oh absolutely it's it's a great place to ski it really is 
Yeah. I, I, the vision behind this place was a skier's paradise, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. He had seen uh, Dr. Horton's, Dr. Jack Horton's lake down in the desert in Barstow, right outside of Barstow. And he decided, I have to do that for myself. And then he found this property, and there's one tree up there that he climbed uh, and, uh, de- and looked out over the whole thing and says, yep, there goes the lake right there. And uh, he, he made a lot of decisions sitting up in that tree. What year was that? That would have been 1971. Uh, the lake was almost finished in a year. You've been a part of uh, building some of the best equipment in the world for so many years. Yep. Um, what, what, what are some of like your babies as far as like uh, skis or, or some of the stuff that you've kind of had your hands in? Well, the one that I had the mo- that I completely did pretty much myself was the CDX, and so, and that had that had a lot of success. We had a lot of success with that one. And that was the Wade Cox signature. Yeah, Slalom it, ski? It, it said uh, it meant Cox Design Extreme, and uh, I sent one to uh, Wade, and and he had VTR graphics on it at the time, and he went out and ran a couple at forty one off and beat Andy Mapple and everybody else at a pro tour stop on it. And uh, we had really good luck. We really good luck with that ski for quite a few years. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break from the conversation with Eddie so I can tell you a little bit about Performance Ski and Surf. Located just about 10 minutes from the Orlando International Airport and just across the street from the Florida Mall and about five minutes from the Orlando Water Sports Complex, one of the most comprehensive pro shops in the world the staff is amazing and they have everything you need to get on the water whether it's water skis wakeboards wake surfers wake skates and they can help you get into pretty much anything you want at any price level here's something special for you guys from right now the moment you hear this episode all the way through june 15th you guys call performance ski and surf or stop in performance ski and surf you mentioned my name dano the mano and they're going to give you guys 15% off on any wetsuit or any vest. So basically any rubber across the board. You guys roughly have about a month, month and a half to take advantage of that. Once again, perfski.com. You can drop them an email, a message, mention my name or stop in the shop or just give them a call. Big thank you to Bill and the whole crew from Performance Ski and Surf. Take advantage of it, guys. And now let's get back at it. With Mr. Eddie Roberts. I know that you were the voice behind the original Hyperlite um, video, and I, I do believe the Hyperlite was the first compression. Compression molded board, yes, it was. Uh-huh. It, were, were you involved in the design on that? A little bit, yeah, uh huh. And, and, and some testing and stuff. I mean, we put bevels on it like a water ski. You won't see that on a wakeboard anymore, but it seemed to work kind of good for that board at the time. Boards at that point were just kind of big, thick. Um, like floaty surf very style buoyant. boards. They were very, very buoyant. And that's one of the things that Herb knew that we didn't need in a board and we needed to get rid of the buoyancy because uh, like a scurfer was so hard to get underwater to start on it. They were very difficult to start on. And uh, that's one thing that we had to tell people, no, this isn't like a scurfer because they would watch our videos and stuff. So, well, I've tried. We've got one of those scurfers and none of us can get up on it. And, and so we showed him video of a little guy, four years old, getting up on it, and older people, everybody in between. And, you know, Herb was right. Uh, neutral buoyancy helps considerably in getting a ski or a ski or a wakeboard underneath you to start. And were you guys basically just using the same technology you had in water skis to build that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, aluminum machined, aluminum molds, uh, fiberglass, resin, foam core. How was that first... Hyperlite received amazingly well, really, really well. People were able to do it as opposed to being able to having to start on those thick, buoyant boards. I mean, it was it was it took the industry by storm. Obviously, how did Herb take like seeing other people basically going out and kind of copying what he was doing? Did he take it as a compliment, or was it absolutely? And then. And then if somebody improved on something, we'd take note of that. And he would say, hey, we got to do this. He was never satisfied with the status quo. I, I'm just wondering how, like how, how that all works. Because at the, at the end of the day, if, you, if, you, if you're patenting these, these uh, designs. Well, and- it's pretty hard to patent a, a small design uh, parameter of a water ski. 
I mean, I, it's because it's all pretty much been done. It's just kind of has to do with uh, the overall picture of this thing. So maybe a round bevel works well on one ski and, and, a, and a square bevel works better on another ski. It, it has to do with the shape of the ski, the flex, the rocker, and there's so many things that have to come together that very small uh, nuances in design can make a big, big difference. And um, they're, they're, those really aren't patentable. Are you currently working on any kind of innovations or anything new? We always are. We came out with the 2016 um, Vapor, and we've been had really, really good luck with it, but we've been working on something, trying to get something better ever since then. Sure. And we will. Uh, we consider this the barn? Correct. Did you guys have some of the manufacturing right here always? For or? radar? Yeah. Uh, actually, not at first. At first... Uh, we were getting our skis made in Taiwan, and I made several trips over there uh, and with Herb, and we set up uh, the, the, the first MPDs, Maple Performance Design skis, were, were made in Taiwan. And um, they, they did a pretty good job, but then we decided, you know what, we need to do those here. So we brought those mold, molds back here and started making uh, the RS1 here. It seems like a lot of the skis go through your hands before they leave here. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a water, a water ski is much more difficult to build than a wakeboard is, for sure. And water skiers are a lot pickier, uh, especially high-performance water skiers on a real expensive, high-end, three-pound water ski. They, the tolerances and everything, all those things have to be much more correct than, uh, than what you can get away with on a wakeboard. Did you ever think wakeboarding would, would get to where it is today? Uh, yeah, I, I had no doubts about it. I mean, the, as much excitement that there was about it when we started coming out with boards and, and then other companies were starting to, it started to be an industry and there was no denying it after a while. You know, everybody was getting poles and sticking them on their boats and, and then it came in and started being towers and, and then specific boats for it. So, no, it was pretty obvious it was going to be a, a big thing. So in the early days, would, would like, a, uh, like the twin tip design, um, did, would a rider just basically cut the, the nose off and then you guys would catch wind up here at the factory that that was happening? And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Darren Shapiro, uh, he cut the tail, off of, the tail off of his ski, ski board at the time, and um, he said it made it a lot better. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't so narrow back there, so he got more air. And, uh, and he also made his fins shorter. And I think he went to, went to one of them, just having one fin. And then he, uh, we put uh, a fin up in the tip so he'd have a little bit of uh, control when he was riding at Fakie as well. So, yeah, that was a big difference too. It seemed like Darren was one of the last guys to move to uh, regular boots. He was wearing sandal straps <laughs> yeah. for a long time. He was, yeah. We, he had special sandal straps though. Okay, so, so the secret is out now, right? Oh, yeah, the secret is out. Those little bungee things that would go around his ankles, I would put them on a, uh, a sander and sand them flat on one side. <laughs> he liked that better. Were you saying, Darren, everybody's going to the boots? Why don't you move over? Yeah, yeah, but he was still kicking everybody's butt uh, with, uh, with um, straps and bungee cords. I mean, you guys probably would have gotten rid of the, the bungees and straps a lot quicker if, it, if Darren would have Maybe, just moved yeah, on. Uh -huh. We didn't have much longer after that, after we started getting uh, boots on him. Were there any other riders as intense as Darren back then? Uh, not that took it as seriously in, in the training as he did. Uh, um, but, but I had uh, known him for actually quite a few years before he got into uh, wakeboarding. I used to sponsor him, you know, through HO with uh, jump skis, trick skis, and slalom. He was a three-eventer. Three uh, he was a crazy jumper, man. He would go completely upside down and, and it were, uh, looking like he was going to have a fall that would kill anybody else, and he would get the skis somehow back underneath him right before he landed and the ski away from it. Uh, he, he was quite an athlete. Darren's coach, Mike Ferraro, who's still involved with um, Radar and Ronix. Joe Magaratz, yes, indeed. <laughs> and... Uh, have you been working with Mike ever since? I've been working with Mike since about, I think about 1982 or 1983, something like that. That guy has got more stories than anybody you'd ever want to talk to. But he's a very good coach. He's very observant. And he, he was always one of my favorite slalom coaches. 
he was a very, very good slalom coach, and he was a good trick skier. And although I didn't trick ski, and I know that he was a very good trick coach. He used to co- coach uh, Ton and Brett Larson in, in, on their trick runs, and they were both uh, world record holders and and world champions. And uh, you know, he uh, uh, he uh, very innovative uh, wakeboard coach. He knows how to tell people how to do what they need to do to become a better wakeboarder. He really does. He's very good at it. In 2006, Radar Water Skis and Ronix wakeboards appeared uh-huh. on the scene. And um, uh, Herb and Paul O'Brien and yourself uh, and many reps who'd been with, with, with those guys had had moved on to kind of start something new. Mm-hmm. Um, as exciting as it was... Um, was that kind of like a scary point for you guys moving into this whole new yeah, venture? Yeah, in, in a way it was. In a way it was. Uh, I quit a job that I had been at for 25 years on Friday and came to work uh, here at Radar and Square One on Monday. And uh, yeah, we had uh, we didn't have a lot going for us at the time. How? Except we had Herb O'Brien. And just with Herb at the lead of this whole thing, did you guys know from the get-go that everything was going to be all good? Well, we hoped it would, and, and, and we had confidence, and we had confidence in ourselves and, and certainly in our fearless leader. How quickly were you guys able to kind of get the brands rolling? Pretty darn quick. I mean, uh, we, uh, we had been in business for 25 years already, and uh, in that amount of time, you make a lot of relationships with um, dealers uh, to sell your product, uh, distributors in other parts of the world, and skiers that, that, are, uh, that would be uh, interested in skiing on your skis and riding on your wakeboards. And, and uh, you know, it, it took off pretty quick, really, because uh, they knew that we were good people to deal with. We had been dealing with them basically for um, 25 years. And so, you know, a lot of these people in shops around the country and around the world were dealing with faces that uh, that were familiar, that they've known for a long time. And, you know, we had a good bit of trust going for us, I think. You guys were able to come out with equipment that was so different. I mean, right, right, right out of the gates, it seemed like, how were you guys able to do that so quickly? Well, for one thing, Herb was a student, big time, of the sport and and manufacturing in general and he had all kinds of ideas that he wanted to explore and you know one thing was going over to china and uh seeing what he could do over there and he outfitted uh, well first it was taiwan and he uh, bought a bunch of equipment there and and told these people how to make uh water skis for us and wakeboards and um and they were able to do that and uh, do it well because uh, under the tutelage of Herb. In 2006, when Ronix and Radar debuted, year year one, did did it take off or was there some struggles? Well, there was a little bit of a struggle at first, but um, hey, we had Andy Mapple on board as uh, the ski designer. Uh, Andy Mapple and Herb O'Brien designed that first MPD together right here. And, um, you know, and it was a very good ski for its day. And Andy had a real good reputation. Herb had a really good reputation. And we had uh, some good momentum built up from the last 25 years. And it seemed like people kind of wanted to do business with us. Do you believe that you guys still have some stuff that are going to blow some minds? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. You know, we're learning more about ski design. You know, Chris Rossi is our head ski designer. And he's absolutely amazing. He's come up with some really good skis, the Strata the vapor, the first vapor, and now the 2016, 2017 vapor. And we're, we're finding new and better materials all the time that make skiing easier and uh, more dynamic. Sure. And uh, sure, there's, there's no end to it. How impressed are you with like the level of skiing today though? You know, you, oh you watch gosh. these guys get, you know, how, how many, I announced a ski contest, you know, in 2015 and I think it was 39 people ran 39 off that day. 38 were men. And I, I, where was this? That was uh, that was a Malibu event. Oh my goodness! I, I remember. I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about that. I know the level is just insane. If you'd have taken that same person back 
any one of those guys back 20 years, they would have smoked everybody. I remember at one time, nobody, uh, back when I was a kid, nobody had run 38 off. It was a big deal when Chris LaPointe uh, up here at Green Lake ran, I think he ran five and a half at 38 off, and people just about fell over. And What's now like? everybody's doing that, it seems like. You know, you, you took me for a ride out on a vapor uh, either last year or the year before. I was, I was out here at Radar, and you were like, and you knew that I rode a little bit of a, of a slower ski, more of an intermediate-style water ski, and you're like, just try this thing. And the, the speed, buoy to buoy, I mean, it's just... Uh, it, it's mind-boggling, and and that, of course, with the boats nowadays being able to, you know, hold that speed all the way through. It's yeah, absolutely. There's so many things that make them better. The boats are much better to ski behind. They have a stronger, they have a stronger, more steady pull, and they don't have to accelerate and decelerate, and you don't have to rely on a hand a, a driver um, gassing you up and down. And the ropes are stronger. The skis are much better. So there's a whole lot of things that have gone into it. Skiers have become more of a student of the sport, and uh, it's becoming uh, pretty apparent that there's a certain way that has to be done for it to be efficient and uh, to ski correctly and get that amount of angle and speed and everything to make these crazy passes these people are making nowadays. Like where I grew up, I grew up in the show ski thing. We did show skiing and, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, the skiers were a lot more wild and the wakeboarders came in and they were like the wild ones. Is there any merit to that? Have you seen, has, has it kind of changed a little bit? Yeah, I would say so. I would have to say that some of the ski tournaments aren't quite as much fun as they used to be. But uh, I think skiers sometimes aren't staying up quite as late and drinking as much as what we used to in the old days either. In all of your years, I'm sure you've seen some of the most insane stuff done behind the boat. And I'll give you a moment to kind of think about this. But what would you say is like maybe the most crazy thing you've ever seen go down behind a boat? I I would say that one of the craziest things that I've seen go down behind a boat was... uh, uh, Scott Pelleton, I believe was his name, skiing barefoot at uh, Marine World Africa in Vallejo, California. I think he got up to 110 miles an hour barefoot uh, behind a blown fuel drag boat. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, seeing that was pretty cool. And I just have to say why, right? Yeah, why would you do something <laughs> like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, now you, I know your son, Eddie, the third, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how cool is it for you to see like Eddie following in your footsteps? Uh, it's, it's real cool. It's real cool. And, and I really like the way he's doing it. He's a, he's an excellent coach, both in wakeboarding and, and skiing. Uh, he probably is a little bit better coach wakeboarding. He, uh, he was the coach and president of central Washington university, a wakeboard team and they won the nationals they beat all the best teams in the whole country and they practice over in the columbia river and uh, he was the champion in his division and and he coached a lot of the kids and you know it's it's really uh pretty uh, cool to see him doing that as well as he has and now he's down in in um uh, cancun at club med teaching people how to water ski and wakeboard and he's wakeboarding himself he skis he skis in the show and he wakeboards in the show that they have a couple times a week. So, yeah, I'm real proud of the kid. He's a good guy. Well, you good know on, him. Yeah, well, good on good on Eddie. We yeah. wanted to give him a little shout-out here. You betcha. Um, That's my boy. Skiing-wise, wakeboarding-wise, is there, maybe on both sides I'd like to know, is there anything that you're really high on right now, like you think that it's like really, really great for the industry that's going on? You know, we had a, we had a, uh, an event over on the uh, Columbia River, where we've all done a lot of skiing uh, last summer called the Herbs Cup over at uh, right on the Columbia River outside of Quincy, Washington. And uh, where Herb had a place and he, uh, he and I skied over there a lot. My dad did and I did. And before Radar Lake was built, um, it was one of the only tournament spots around. We would have tournaments over there. And we had this big event uh, and there were hundreds of people lining the shore. We had a bunch of our pros over there skiing, and uh, they did a couple of rounds, and then uh, 
it was in conjunction with an INT event as well. So and then we did a drawing, and a bunch of the uh, INT guys got to ski on a team with one of the pros, and they skied against their scores from the day before, and they had a ball, and we had a whole lot of fun over there. That was really cool, and it brought a lot of people out and got a lot of people excited about three-event water skiing, and it was uh, it were really a lot of fun in a great, pretty historic place and a great place to watch skiing. I felt like skiing was due for kind of a, a resurgence. Um, are you seeing any of that at all? Uh, I would say a little bit. I'm seeing a little bit of that. I'm seeing, there are more tournaments around here, for one thing, than there used to be. You could go to a tournament every weekend here. I, I, I know some people that go to 16 and 17 tournaments during the summer, but one thing that I would really like to see would be like one of the old, the old pro tour stops. For a few years, the pro tour stops would have the best water skiers, slalom skiers in the world, both men and women. They would have the best jumpers in the world, both men and women. They had uh, wakeboarding, and they had kneeboarding, and then they had uh, Scotty Clack coming in on a kite, and sometimes there would be somebody, there would be Banana George doing a... Um, uh, a, a barefoot run and walking through the crowd handing out bananas. That was a little sketchy. But um, those days were a lot of fun. It was a big festival and there were way bigger crowds than what you'd see at a wakeboard or a ski tournament, most of them anyway, nowadays. That's what, one thing that I really enjoyed, uh, the festival atmosphere of the old pro tours. You think that if we went back to something like that, we could start drawing bigger crowds? I, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I do remember the times when it was shoulder to shoulder from the shoreline yeah. all the way up the hill. Abs- absolutely. And, and uh, I don't know why we had to split them up. Part of it is the wakeboarder versus slalom skier, skier thing, I think, maybe, which was kind of overblown. But they had to have their event and we had to have ours or something like that. To me, it really didn't make much sense. I think they ought to have it all together again. You uh, you ever get out there and compete anymore? I haven't for f- about five years. I might, though. I might uh, dust it off one time this summer, something it's, like that. It's on the map, huh? Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> Very cool. Well, dude, I, I mean, we've been talking for, for a really long time, and uh, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm hoping that we touched on everything I had in my mind here. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to chat about? Or uh, Not really. I'm just... Uh, kind of flattered that you'd want to interview interview me so yeah well cool, man i feel like you're a guy who has just really done so much for the sport and I, I i think you're not the kind of guy who goes out there and boasts and be like and yeah, that was my design or <laughs> i'm the reason that's out there and i think um at a certain point you deserve to get a, a, you know some credit as well so it's it's just an honor to be here and and to be with you my friend well, thank you, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Guys, there it is. I appreciate it. Um, Eddie Roberts, you guys can check out his work at uh, probably what, RadarSkis.com? Or, sure. Uh, RonixWake.com. Yep. And uh, that's that. Eddie, man, thanks a ton. Well, thank you, Dano. Until next time, guys, we'll be right back with more right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Dig it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> GoPuck is a mountable, compact, durable, and portable rapid charging battery. The technology behind GoPuck started in the indie car racing industry, and now they're bringing their passion about light, fast, and powerful products to the world of action sports. GoPuck allows you to stay connected, capture priceless moments, and most importantly, enjoy mobile freedom. The GoPuck can hold up to five rapid charges. If you know me, you know I don't go anywhere without mine. GoPuck is available at Performance Ski and Surf or online at GoPuck.com. That's gopuck.com. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and the love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Use my promo code MANO30 and you'll get an additional 30% off your entire order. Once again, that's promo code MANO, M-A-N-O-3-0 at woodrose.com for 30% Set off everything. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com.
The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. Had a fun conversation right there with Eddie. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it as much as I did. Eddie was the last stop I made on my West Coast, Pacific Northwest Coast trip. I was lucky enough to get up there to Radar Lake, spend a night up there. Eddie took me around. We had some fun. I got to watch some skis being made. We had an awesome conversation, and it was just a really, really good time. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. All right, I do have some upcoming events, folks, so make sure you check it out. We're going to be in New Brunfels, Texas, the Texas Ski Ranch. That's going to be May 18th through the 21st, that Thursday night at TSR. We're going to be doing a live episode of the Golden Mike podcast with some of the TSR originals and just some of the Texas shred masters in general. So make sure you stay tuned for that one. Memorial Day weekend, May 26th through the 28th, back at Callaway Gardens for the 58th Masters of Water Ski and Wakeboarding. My 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th year announcing, I don't know. I've been going there for almost 15 years. Pretty insane. Then June 10th and 11th, we're back in Orlando for the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. We've got two stops that weekend. We're redoing stop number one. Stop one was canceled back in March, plus stop number three. It's an awesome event. All of the top young up-and-coming riders from all over the southeast, pretty much all over the nation, are going to be there. We had a great showing at the last stop and would love to see you guys out for that one. We're going to close out the month of June with two stops of the Malibu Rider Experience, one in North Carolina, one up in Washington State. I'll tell you more about that on the next episode. Make sure you guys check those out, and hopefully I'll see you guys at those events. Now, if anybody's interested in having me announce, commentate, do voiceover work, or appear at your next event, maybe you want to advertise on the Golden Mike Podcast, ask me a question, or perhaps... You'd like to be like Jimmy LaRich and have me do your voicemail message. Well, super easy. All you guys got to do, email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. We are on iTunes. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review the show. If you guys don't listen to your podcast through the podcast app, noiseofthenorth.com or SoundCloud are great options for you guys to do that. On the social media feed, follow me all year long on Twitter at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike on Instagram at Dano T Mano. And be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. I want to thank Eddie Roberts one more time for inviting me up to Radar Lake, putting me up into the cottage there for the night, uh, giving me the interview, giving me all that fun time. We hung out on the lake, it was awesome. And now a few shout-outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Sea Deck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, Malibu Boats, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, Leadwake, CWB Board Company, Ronix, and Slingshot Wakeboards. I'd like to thank Jenna Carruth on the web and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. Appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Lamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.